Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. How many of you believe really that God can get you out of messes that sometimes we make for ourselves? Amen. You guys may be seated. Man, I want to talk to you today about the power of community. Thank you, worship team. You guys rock. How many of you guys can give it up for the worship team? They always do a great job. I've been reading a little bit about this this week, and I think that community was born in the heart of God. We try to live life alone. Sometimes we were hurt by people. Lift your hand if you've ever been hurt by a friend. We always get hurt by people. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes it's just misunderstanding. If you're not careful, you could just close your heart and say, man, I don't want anything to do with anybody. I'm going to be me. And maybe God, I'm figuring out if I trust him or not. You know? And maybe you're in that situation right now. Uh, but I just want to show you through the Bible how community is such a big part of not just what God wants to do here on earth, but what God wants to do in your life. And where God wants to take you. So I was looking for different definitions on community. And I found this. Community is a feeling of companionship with others. Everybody say, with others. As a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So two things here that I want to drive home about community. Number one, it's a feeling of companionship with others. Which means you can't have community on your own. You need to have somebody else, at least another person. If you're the type of person that you're always alone, right there you're missing it. And then it says, as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So community implies that you not only think about yourself. It says that you share interests. You share attitudes and goals. So the reason why I mentioned these two things here today to start talking about community is because these two things are what keeps us out or away from community. These are our biggest challenges to live in community. I can come to church and get what I need, right? I can start my week off right, see what God speaks into my life and if he's going to bless me and see if they could pray over my life. And then after I get what I need, I could just retract and just go on with life. See you next Sunday. And then next Sunday I could come back, get what I need, and then retract. But that's not community. You see, uh, no one ever taught us how to be selfish. We were just born that way. So don't feel bad. We're all in the same company. We're all in the same boat. I see it with my kids. I never have to teach my kids not to share their toys. I have to teach them how to share, right? <laughs> I have Luca. Growing up, he used to love the little Hot Wheels cars, and I used to say, Bobby, when he would get together with his friends, you have to share. Share. Mine. That's the first thing kids know how to say. Mine. 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 We were born that way. Not just kids. Adults too. How many of you guys don't like people touching your food? Even loved ones. I love you with all my heart. I'll give my life for you, but don't touch my lasagna. Don't touch my steak, right? Argentina that I am. Uh, so we have to teach how to share, how to live in community. And community doesn't come by nature. It's difficult. It's difficult, especially if you've been done wrong by people in life. And I think that's all of us here. 
Uh, and if not, man, get ready. <laughs> You're going to have some disappointments along the way. But sometimes people don't turn out, unfortunately, the way that we thought they would. But that doesn't mean that we can't keep on trying to live in community. So that's what I'm going to try to share with you through the Word of God. What God wants us to do as a community is to give from what we already have. You see, God's never going to ask you to give something that you don't have. So what does God want me to share in a community? We have here in JTP Church, we have small groups. And small groups is the way to do community because sometimes when the church grows, it's impossible for one person to know everybody's names, everybody's birthdays, know when you're in the hospital, when you're not. But small groups allows you not only to have somebody that could be there for you, but also to be accountable to somebody, which that's sometimes a, you know, a concept that we're not familiar with. So God wants us as a community to give of what we already have. Well, what, what do we have, Pastor? Well, we can share our testimony. When we're in a community, we, can, we have something. God's done something in your life. Raise, raise your hand if God's done something in your life. God's worked in our lives. He's, if you accepted Jesus in your heart, you're saved. Well, that's something God's done. So what, what do we do in a community? We share our testimony. We tell of our experience. We also share our struggles because everybody struggles. I don't care how long you've been going to church. Everybody struggles. Jesus struggled. Everybody struggled. And as long as we are in this body, we're going to struggle. So it's good when you find somebody that you could just be open with and say, look, this is what I'm going through. Help me pray. And I'll help you pray. And as iron sharpens iron, we both make each other better. So that's the whole purpose of community. You and I are better together than on our own. So what community creates is an environment. Everybody say environment. An environment where we can share and we can grow together. Sharing your struggle with someone as well as your desire to improve. Let's, let's say you're, uh, you're telling somebody, you have a mentor, you have just a friend in church. Telling them, look, man, I just... I feel I'm close. I'm, I'm far from God. I want to draw closer. I want to start to improve my prayer life. How do I do it? Maybe the other person doesn't even know how to, but he says, hey, you know what? I need to improve my prayer life too. Let's do it. It makes each other better. It encourages you to be better when you are in community. What should be shared in community? Because just being in a place of community or just being with someone doesn't make community. You remember the second part of that definition that I gave you at the beginning, it says community is made up of people that share their interests, right? Attitudes, goals. So I want to talk a little bit about this. Uh, something must be happening. This ha there has to be some interaction that can help us grow. So let's talk a little bit about attitudes. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. If you brought your Bible, you could take it out and, and read it for yourself. If not, next week, get yourself a Bible. It's the living Word of God. It's going to challenge you. It's going to make you the best version of you you could ever make. So make sure you bring your Bibles to church. Philippians 2.5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So what do we do here in the small groups? What do we do in the, in the life groups that we have in church? It, it's a bunch of imperfect people because we're all imperfect. But what do we do? We follow Jesus' attitudes. We study Jesus. How did Jesus react in this situation? And Jesus, even though he was the son of God, he walked in this earth as a man, just like you. He had, you know, he suffered 
you know, he felt cold, he felt hot, so he was tempted to sin at some times, but something kept him strong so he wouldn't fall to temptation. And what can we learn about Jesus? We can learn so many things. Jesus cried, his best friend died, Lazarus. And, and, and he got there and he wept. And you're like, well, the son of God? I mean, didn't he know that he was going to resurrect him? Yeah, but it was, he has feelings. He was a man. And you'd be surprised how many things we could learn just from going to the Word and saying, God, I'm going to invest in being in community with other people that love you with the purpose of having the same attitudes that Jesus had. Let's talk a little bit about interest. If you go to Matthew 6.33, the Bible tells us this. And this should be every single human, human being's uh, focal point. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. JTP Church, what should we be seeking more than anything in our lives? Okay, come on, I need a little, bit, a little bit more help than that. What should we be seeking above anything else in our lives? Not a girlfriend, right? Not money, not a career. Those things are important. But the Bible says that above all things, we should seek what? The kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You see, a lot of people are looking to, for God to give them everything they need, but they don't seek the kingdom first. So if you want to have the result, you got to, you know, abide by the process. So what do we do in, in small groups? What, what happens when we're in community? Well, our interest, we share interest. What is that interest? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God should be flowing through your veins. What, what does God want me to be doing right now? How can I serve his purpose? There's a greater purpose that is greater than you and me together. Greater even this, this generation. There's something that God wants to do. And he's looking for not perfect people. He's looking for willing people. And when he finds one that's willing to go through the, the biblical methods, which is community, then God starts using you. He starts com uh, connecting you with people that are going to make you better. And you're, you're growing. And both of you have the same interests. And then it talks about our goals. If you go with me to John 10, 10, it says that my purpose, and this is Jesus speaking, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. How many of you, throw your hands up in the air, if you want a rich and satisfying life, all of us, right? Right. And the people that didn't raise their hands today is because they need a little bit of coffee, right? <laughs> Maybe after church. Um, but it says that God's purpose in our life, our, God's goal for our lives is that we live a, a rich and satisfying life. John 3.16 takes it beyond that and it says an eternal life. How many of you guys want to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, right? That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. So let me ask you something and I'm, here, here comes the pressing part because I want to challenge you a bit this afternoon. In this season that you're living right now, this season, do the people you hang with have these three things? Let me expand a little. Let me refresh your memory. Are the people you hang with the closest to you, your circle of friends, are they centered in being more like Jesus? Are they placing the kingdom of God first above all things? And are they living a rich and satisfying life? And that's what I want you to think about today and analyze and say, look, do I have the right people around me that are going to take me and help me be all that God's created me to be is your community reflecting these three things so this is not one of the most popular topics to speak about uh, in church because it calls for evaluating 
None of us, let's be honest, we don't like to get, get down and talk about deep things. You know, we like to talk about, talk about faith and what we can accomplish and what God's done for my life and the blessings he's going to put in my pocket. But when it comes to now me doing something and positioning myself so that God's purpose can manifest in my life, oh wait, that requires giving up of certain things. It requires evaluating myself. It requires of maybe me changing some stuff around, changing some people around my life because some people are just holding me back instead of pushing me forward. Or some people are probably pushing me but in the wrong direction. I need to make sure and evaluate what my community looks like. So you see, the problem is that many people or some people expect large, successful trees, fruitful trees, full of fruit, to grow out of garbage environments. And that's never going to happen. Uh, healthy trees, healthy stuff grow from the right environment. So as a pastor, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of different kinds of people. And I want to talk to you about a few different kinds of people. Uh, the first type, I call them the hermits, all right? <laughs> hermits are the people that they, they come to church, they come, they get what they want, and then they retract and they go back to their safe place. See you next Sunday, all right? And pastor, you better have a good word. Because if it's not up to par, I'll just stay home and go on YouTube and watch Stephen Furtick's sermon, right? <laughs> and uh, so it happens, right? You, you don't want to get involved. You, don't wanna, you just want to be encouraged. You want to, you know, it's, it's all about you. It's that ego problem again. That's the hermit. It's the person who only steps out long enough to do what they have to do, and then they just get back in their self place. As your pastor, I want to tell you that's not healthy. That is not healthy for your growth. You're never going to be able to grow like that. Then we have the, the social superficial person, right? This is a, uh, the other extreme. This is the social butterfly, right? They love to always be with people, but they lack depth in their relationship, right? Their, their, their conversations are, oh, what's your, I don't know, what's your favorite flavor of bubblegum? <laughs> you know, little things like that, and you never get deep. You don't have a community of people that could push you to be what God wants you to be. You don't have people that could get up in your face and say, hey man, did you read your Bible today? Hello. Did you pray? Have, have you been praying? How's your prayer life? You know, sometimes we, we could even, if, if we're not open to this whole community of the way God wants this church to work, we could even get offended if somebody comes and says, hey, did you pray today? You know, how's your prayer life? Not to be judgmental, because hey, <laughs> we all, need somebody to encourage us not from a judgmental point of view like saying i prayed and you didn't pray but saying look i'm worried about you i love you and i want you to be everything that god called you to be so i'm going to be there for you and i want you to be there for me too and i want you to check up on me because i want to make sure that we sharpen each other up that we grow and that god uses every single one of us to fulfill his purpose in his life and then we have People that are in community, but in the wrong community. This is another kind of person. It's the wrong one. Uh, but, but he's my friend. I've known him. Bro, 15 years ago, this guy did what nobody else would do. He helped me. So I'm, I'm his friend forever. I get that. I, look, I'm not talking that you shouldn't be friends with people that, don't, that aren't at your level of spirituality. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about your primary associations, the people that speak into your life. Okay, the people that help you grow because as we're seeing today through the Word of God, we can't grow by ourselves. We need people 
along the way to help us grow. You need that community. So that's what I'm talking about. And sometimes the community is the wrong one. That person did something for you 15 years ago. What are they doing for you today? Some people prefer loyalty rather than growth. You rather stay loyal to somebody that's dragging you down than to grow. Sometimes there's important decisions to make along the way. So I want to talk to you next about how we are a product of, a, of our community. We are a product of the community that we have around. Your next miracle, your next step of growth. Sometimes we're asking God, God, what's my next breakthrough? What do you want me to do? Uh, man, I, I know there's so much more. How many of you guys ever felt like that? That it's like, God, I know that I'm just scraping the surface. You have plans for my life. And sometimes it's just this far-fetched thought. But we don't think about what can we do to get closer to that, to take one step in that direction. And sometimes the miracle is not going to come with an angel that's going to you know, hit you with a wand on your head and boom, all of a sudden you're filling stadiums and you're preaching the word or you're doing whatever your, you know, your, your goal in life is. Sometimes the miracle is just changing your community. Maybe God brought you here and you were waiting for the supernatural thing. I don't know, have, uh, angels to come down while the worship team was speaking and, and forgot to say, you look, this is what I'm going to do with you and, and just, you know, pick you up from where you are and take you to this. And maybe the, the miracle that God wants to give you today is, hey, listen, you're the one stopping your growth. You need to position yourself in a place where you can grow. You need to get yourself some friends that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are God-fearing, that love God with all their hearts, that are going to push you, that are going to get in your face, and that are going to always want the best for you, never to judge you, but always to push you to be better. And as you do that, as you're willing to let them do that, without even noticing, you're doing it, you're doing the same thing to them. And that way we grow as a community. Yeah. If you get in the right atmosphere and with the right people, God will use them to help you grow. If you have not grown in your walk with God, the first place you should look is around you. If you feel stagnated in your walk with God, right? Sometimes people look at the church, they look at the preacher, they look at, uh, I don't know, they look at so many things. Look around you. Who is influencing your life? What is your community? It's possible to be believing for things while standing in the wrong soil. And sometimes that soil is your community. You're just not going to grow the way God wants you to grow because you're in the wrong soil. I don't know if I'm getting the message across, yeah? Do you have somebody that can look you in the eye and say, hey, something's wrong with you. I see you different lately, man. What's going on? Come on, let's pray. Talk to me. Open your heart. What's inside that you haven't said? Did you mess up? We're not here to judge. Let's pray. Let's get back up because we can't spend time having things in secret. And you see, that's what happens when you have secrets. And we had a series on that a while ago, right? Secrets. Uh, the Bible says that you can't move. Secrets paralyze you. The Bible says that when you, when you have unconfessed sins, you can't get anywhere. But when you confess them, the one who confesses their sin prospers. So it's good to have a community where you are open to share what are your struggles. Hey, listen, look, this is my kryptonite, all right? This is, when this happens, it's, it gets real, all right? So help me pray that God gives me strength that when this happens, when I'm tempted to stay with more money than usual or when, uh, 
a hot chick passes by and you know what I mean? I pray that I'm that I could resist temptation when that stuff happens. And as you pray together, God's healing starts flowing, freedom starts filling you and hey, that is community. Community allows you to be in the same place as your enemy and still love him. Community sharpens you to the point where you could be sitting in the same place as somebody that did you harm a while back and you can look at him and have no uh, remorse or not hate a person. Community does that. So I want to wrap this up and I want to be able to finish off by showing you how to create a powerful community around you. And how, Pastor, how can I create a community of people? I have the wrong people. How can I start getting the right people around me? And to start off with this last point, I just want to encourage you that you have to put past experiences in the past. Because sometimes we, we gave people a chance, we opened our hearts, that person could have done us wrong, and because of that, that's it. You close your heart off, and you don't let anybody in. I don't know if it's just me, but nowadays, more than ever, it's hard to trust people. Am I right? How many of you guys have had people promise you and be all this, you know, all good at the beginning, and then just, who is this person? They turn out to be total opposite. It gets to the point where people don't even trust God anymore. They come to church and they're like skeptical, like saying, God, you're going to bless me if I get my tithe. If I come, it, it, people are skeptical about a lot of things. It's hard to trust. But in order to build the right community around you, you have to put past experiences in the past and be open to give other people a chance. And I'm sure you're going to find, and God's going to, Create this uh, link with people that are going to be able to be there to support you. God's going to give you a few friends that are going to be there, ride or die for you, that are going to pray for you, that are going to be there. But if you have your heart calloused from previous uh, situations and things that you went through, it's not going to happen. So check this out. I want you to understand that small groups, we call them life groups here in church, in JTP Church, okay? Small groups... It's God's plans for growth for his children and for his church. Why? Because small groups is the biblical model for a healthy church. I love what Robert Morris said. He said, you don't have to worry about growing. You only have to worry about being healthy because healthy things grow. Sometimes we're so worried about how am I going to grow? God, I, I want to grow. I feel I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I've been in the same level for too long. I don't feel I'm growing in my relationship with you. I don't feel I'm growing in, in, you know, in my service to you. Well, you got to make sure that you're in a healthy environment. Look around you. Who is your community? Because you're only going to grow to the level of your community. If you're only hanging around with people that are always talking bad and gossiping and stuff like that, well, you know what? You're in a bad environment. There's only, you can only get so far. But when you start opening your eyes and you start saying, God, give me the right community, and you start, you yourself, making sure that you set yourself and you put yourself around people that are, that are going to love God. I always tell people, if you're going to look, look for a friend, look for somebody that loves God more than you. Look for somebody that is more on fire for Jesus than you are. Look for somebody that's more radical for Jesus, because that's going to rub off on you. And it works the same way. I, I, what Robert Morris says is so true. Healthy things grow. 
Don't worry so much about growth. Worry about being in, a, in an atmosphere where things are healthy. Because if you're, look, look at a baby. I don't sit look, watching Mia. Mia's two years old, my two-year-old little girl. I don't say, God, in Jesus' name, please, I pray that tomorrow she grows. Please let her grow. Please let her grow. Don't, no. What do, I worry about keeping her healthy. Because if Mia's healthy, she's going to grow. It works that way, doesn't it? What about a plant, right? As long as the plant's healthy, it's going to grow. You sow the seed, water it, take care of it, give it its nutrients, and it's going to grow. You don't have to say, oh, please grow, please grow. My little nieces had this project recently that they, they were planting a bunch of different um, herbs and stuff like this. Uh, uh, tomatoes, they plant, I don't know, they got like in a, in a mood. They're really, they're really passionate. Whenever they get in a mood for something, they just like go all out. So they must have had like, like 20 different plants of different stuff that they started planting. They were so excited, they'll post them on, on their mom's, my sister's social media, and they were growing tomatoes. And, and things, when they're healthy, they grow. So if you haven't been growing in your relationship with God, and this applies to any area of your life, well, look around, because maybe the atmosphere is not healthy. And I'm going to prove it to you. Uh, go with me to the book of Exodus. I want to share this story so that you can see that God's model for growing his church, for growing people, is through small groups. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13, it says, The next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, when are you really, or what are you really accomplishing here? What are you trying to do all this alone? Or why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around from morning till evening? And Moses said, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. So I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. And I love how his father-in-law talks to him. Because Moses is God's leader. Am I right? Raise your hand if you ever heard of Moses, right? Okay. So I want you to picture this. Moses is leading a church, or Israel, of two million people. Okay? Two million people... And he sits there from sunrise to sundown and he waits for people to come to him and, and, and they come and they tell him all their problems and he's like a judge. And his father, which is not the man chosen by God, his father-in-law comes to him and he tells him, what are you doing? You're going to die doing this, man. You're crazy. And I love how Moses, even though he was the man chosen by God, he still has an ear to listen to what his father-in-law had to say. How many of you guys can give God thanks for your father-in-law? Right? That's it? The rest aren't you? I'm married, I guess. <laughs> okay. So, look what he tells them. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. I'm in verse 18. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. So, I mean, that's a euphemistic way of saying it. In reality, what he's telling me, look, you're going to die, old man. You're going to burn out. And none of these people are going to get to see you. Imagine if you were the person number 1,999,999. How long do you have to wait to get a Moses? I mean, think about that. And, and here comes his father-in-law and he says, look, you're going to burn out. 
this is not good. And he gives them a solution. Look at verse 19. Now listen to me. And let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God. Because that's what he is. Bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees. Give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some, and I want you to pay attention to these four characteristics. He said, some capable, some honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Interesting there. That's a whole topic all by itself right there. Hate, hate bribes. There's a reason why he says that. But that's probably for another Sunday. So check it out. These are the four, the four people, the, I'm sorry, these are the four characteristics that his father-in-law tells him, look, these are the kind of people that you need to help you, all right? They need to be honest men, capable, all right, smart. They need to be fearful of God and hate bribes. They're not going to do it for the money. They're going to do it from the heart because they love God. And then he says they should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all the people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and follows, followed his suggestions. So here's God. God uses Jethro. His father-in-law to tell him, look, you're, you're, you're going to burn out. You're going to die. This is the way I want Israel, my church, my, my, my people. This is how it's going to work. This is how they're going to live in community. Select people and they're going to be leaders over 10, another over 50, over 100, and over 1,000. So we could see how God's plan from the beginning, this worked with Moses and this works with us today in 2020, pandemic or no pandemic. It's, we grow in, in a community. You make me better. I make you better. And the closer we are and the more open we are with our struggles and with the stuff that we're going through, the closer we're going to get to fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. The more God's going to use it. The healthier we're going to be. And JTB Church, healthy things what? Grow. That's the way it works. So finishing up here, we were made for community. I want you to understand this. God could have the most amazing plans for your life, and He does. If you don't believe me, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of good and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. That's what God is all about for us. God is your biggest cheerleader. He wants you to achieve everything that he created you for. You see, when, when God created you, he had a plan. He didn't just say, oh, you know what? Let me just make Melissa. Let me just make Jonathan. Let me just, and see what happens. Let me just throw him in the, in the world with 8 billion people and let's see what happens. No, he had a plan. And he put giftings inside of you, some of which you don't even know yet, so that those giftings could help you be the person that he created you to be. And the only way that happens is not when you try to do life alone. It's when you come in community. It's when you allow people to sharpen you, to make you better. And I'm going to prove it to you. Sometimes we say, I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought this way. Some people say, I'm fine with God. I don't need anybody else. It's just me and God. Just the two of us. Right? I don't need anybody else. I'm good with him. 
the sides. People are hypocrites. People that go to church. I just want to go to church. I'm last one in, first one out. I don't want to deal with people. I just want to be with God. I don't want no growth track. I don't want no next steps. I don't want a life group, nothing. I just want to go to church, listen to a message, put my money in the bucket or push pay the offering. And that's it. And don't bother me. Now, if that's the right way to go about it, then how come Bible says that Adam was alone before God created Eve. It was just Adam. And Adam had an amazing relationship with God, didn't he? He would talk to God face to face. Picture that. There was no sin. There was peace. I mean, back then you didn't have to work to make money and to earn your living because God had created everything perfect. Just walk and see a big mango. Just your mango and go on about your day and it was just and he had a relationship with God he would talk to God so his communion with God was perfect why then did God say it is not good for man to be alone why did God see him and say it's not good for him to be alone something's missing here and it's not because he just needed a wife, because you could see this and just think he was talking about relationally as a, as a husband and wife. But even more profound and broader than that, it was just a matter of, there was no community. And yeah, they had their relationship with God, but God said, this is not enough. He has me, I have him, but he needs somebody to share. He needs somebody that could sharpen him. He needs somebody to talk to. He needs, besides me, and God created Eve. Now Eve bit the apple and that was a whole different story, but that's, that's for another Sunday. But we can see how important community is. If it's just about you and God and you doing your thing your way, then how come God saw Adam and said, hmm, it's not good for man to be alone. So I think that God is calling us to grow daily and if we are faithful in growing and in connecting with people, you know, the, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, we want to look at it real quick. It says they worship together, talking about the first church, the early church. They worship together in the temple every day. Everybody say every day. They met in homes, small groups, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity in the midst of persecution and knowing that if they left the house, somebody could come and just decapitate them or they could just throw them in the Roman circus, right? To be eaten by fierce animals. But even with all those threats, they were joyful because that's what community does. You see, when you, have, when you have people that are there for you unconditionally and you have people that are gonna make you better, hey, it's, it's a lot easier to do life. You have more courage to take greater risks, to believe God, because you have people pushing you and believing in you and helping you get there. And the Bible says that when people lived in community, despite all the opposition and everything that was going on outside, the Bible says that God would add to the church all those who needed to be saved on a daily basis, every day. Everybody say, Every day. All right. Every day, God would add people to the church. 365 days a year, God would add at least one person every day. It got to the point 
where community was so great, where they started loving each other, they started supporting that adding on turned into multiplication. You read later on in Acts chapter 15, 16, that it doesn't say adding on. It says, and the disciples multiplied because there comes a point when you start doing life God's way, doing life in community that God starts multiplying and that people see that transparency and people see that, man, I'm not doing something for you just to get something back. That's the way of the world. But man, there's, there's a true sense of brotherhood. There's a true sense of, you know, you having my best interest in mind. You want me to be the best version of myself. And, and, and I have the same for you. So you know what? God starts to multiply. People want in on that. Because you know what? We don't find that out there. But when God starts seeing that and, and when people start having that camaraderie and we live in community, then God starts glorifying. And because that group is healthy, because the church is healthy, it grows. Stand on your feet as we close up. Don't look around because this is not for your neighbor. All right? This message is for you. You guys got it? Are you guys here? Yeah? All right. Because sometimes we're like, oh man, I wish so-and-so was here. This message was perfect for them. You never come to church. Is it? <laughs> There's a reason why you're here and God's speaking to you. So I want to give you three reasons why life groups are necessary. Listen to me. We have life group leaders right now here in this place. As we end, we're going to have people. Leo is the person in charge of our small groups. He's going to be in the lobby. We have small groups for divorced people. We have small groups for singles. We have small groups for, for, for just men. Uh, we have small groups for uh, young adults, for students. We have young groups for uh, widows. We have young groups for everything you can imagine. And if there's any young, any small group leaders that, you know, through this time, the pandemic, a lot of people freaked out. They stopped giving their small groups. Let me tell you, reconsider. Because you're causing an impact and God called you to live in community. And now we have flexibility to give, you know, some of us, there's people that give them through Zoom. We have small groups that we do them through you know, the older folks, they do them through WhatsApp, video conferencing, through FaceTime. There's many ways to do it. So there's no excuse, but you need to be a part of a community. Three reasons why. Number one, everybody say, it's the biblical model. It, plain and simple. I mean, it's God's way. We don't need reason number two and three. It's just, it's God's way. God said, look, this works. This is how things stay healthy. It works this way. Sometimes we understand the message of the Bible, but we ignore the methods of the Bible. And sometimes we settle, oh, I believe the Word of God. I believe the message. But you know what? We don't go through the methods. What's the method so that I could grow community? Number two, another reason why life groups are necessary, it's because they're personal. Moses could have never listened to everybody, much less know their, their phone number, you know, their, their birthday, whenever they, had, whenever they were in the hospital. I've had people call me or, or tell me, Pastor, I was in the hospital and nobody called me. Are you in a small group? How in the world are we supposed to know when you're in the hospital? You know, people in small groups, their leaders sometimes call me and tell me, hey, pastor, you know what? So-and-so is in the hospital. If you want to give them a call to pray, I call them. But if I don't know, I, I mean, I can't follow 500 people and know what everybody else is going through um, because I, I just can't. But if you're in a small group, somebody's going to know. 
and they're going to be there to pray for you. And God's going to use them and you're going to sharpen them. And then when they need you, you're going to be there for them. And that's how we grow. And the third reason, it's because life groups are flexible. Times are flexible. They're throughout the city in different places. Some people do them in uh, open areas, Starbucks, outside. Um, other people do them at home before the pandemic. Other people, like I said, do them in Zoom. And it's for every season of life, no matter where you are. And I want to encourage you. I want you to understand how God created us. When he made Adam, he said, man, he can't make it alone. And don't think you're Superman. Don't, don't think you're Superwoman. You can't, you can't do life alone. Or you could, but it's not going to turn out the way that God wanted it to. Then you're just going to be frustrated with yourself, blaming God when it was, it was never God's deal. It's important that we look inside of us and analyze. And this is what we don't like to do in church, but we need to do it because sometimes that's what we need to do. Say, how am I? Do I have a community around me of people that are going to push me to love Jesus more? That are going to seek the kingdom of God. And as a consequence then, I'm going to live a rich and satisfying life. I have to do the first two to get the end result. So today, I'm going to go back home and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, God, I need, a, I need to get around people. Before you leave, go through the lobby. And we want to connect you with young or Whatever your age group, whatever your situation in life, we can connect you with somebody that's going to be there for you, that's going to challenge you, that's going to be able to help you be everything that you can be in Christ. So I want to pray, first of all, for those that want to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. If you've never opened your heart to God, the Bible says that the only way to be saved is through accepting Jesus Christ. And his sacrifice on the cross for you. So whether you're here in person or if you're connecting with us at home, if you've never let Jesus into your heart, this is the time to do it. I want you to say this prayer. And church, if you guys can help me, let's all say it all together. Say, Lord Jesus, on this day, I make a commitment to open my life, to open my heart to you, and to, for you to come into my heart. Forgive all my sins. I'm ready to live a life that is pleasing to you. I'm ready to do things your way and not my way. Thank you, Jesus, for your death on the cross that brought life and eternal life to me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And the last thing I want to do today is just press on this. I don't want you to just get out and just leave and become a hermit, all right? And just go back home. And see you next Sunday and just do life all by yourself. Connect with people. Connect with a leader. Connect with somebody. Talk to Leo out there and say, hey, look, what are the, what are the groups? What are the possibilities? Who, who are the leaders? I want to connect with a leader. Um, and if you start doing that, you're going to start to place yourself in an atmosphere where things are healthy. And when you're in an atmosphere where things are healthy, it's inevitable. You're going to grow and you're going to see God's purpose fulfilled in your life. Can we give God praise in this house? Amen. Amen.